hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm excited. Yeah, he's excited. One of my We're oldest friends, one of my oldest friends in the world, is here with us <laughs> on the Max and Tony show today. Uh, I've known this man 25 years, mm-hmm. and uh, every time Max, I need to know whether my facts are straight about the history of this city. This is who I call. I don't ask Siri. I do not write. <laughs> I do not write. You know, dear Abby. I no uh, Wikipedia. I ask Bill Savage, okay. who is a professor at uh, Northwestern and a Chicago historian, and uh, many other things. He is a keeper of this city's stories, and uh, my. Well, welcome, sir. Wow. So thrilled to have you here, well, man. I'm happy to be here. And let me just say that uh, I'm excited, too, because, you know, those stories are an ongoing process. They're not the past. Absolutely. The, the mm-hmm. Present and Absolutely. the future. And your work is part of that process. It's kind of why so. I never moved away, um, because I want to see what happens next. You know, I've got a writing gig coming up. Uh, Cambridge University Press is publishing a uh, history of Chicago. You know, companion to Chicago literature with like 25 or 30 essays in it. Uh-huh. And I get to write the one that can't be wrong. What next? Absolutely. It's gonna, I mean, I can make any predictions I want. I can't be wrong. But I know, <laughs> I think I know where I'm going with this. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I had kind of great hope for Lori Lightfoot. And then all the bullshit with the teachers. And uh, it disillusioned me a bit. Yeah. No, I got. I, mean, I, I, I got to be honest. Once, once the Cop Academy thing came out with her and how she wanted to turn like old schools into Cop Academies, that immediately told me that she doesn't want. She wants more soldiers than 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 people who are educated and can think for themselves and 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 make away from themselves. But, so far, yeah. yeah Sadly, I, I that know. seems to be it. It's a um, lot of cops around well, here I, I, now. I was just. <laughs> Huey agrees. Dogs That's Huey. <laughs> Huey's, Huey's got shit to say about this, believe me. He's barking at the cops. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I actually, uh, just yesterday, I gave a speech about Chicago corruption history to uh, the Conference on Government um, Ethics Lawyers. Did you talk about Big Chicago. Bill? Big Bill Thompson? No, but his picture was up on the screen because that was the only thing we could get to computer work. But let me point this out. <laughs> to your point, Max, yes. you know, like, uh, how do you, like, where does education and police work overlap? Yeah, my dad was a cop, and when he was uh, came on the job in the late '60s, he was trained yeah. by guys who came on the job in the '30s. Yeah. Now, up until wow. up until 1950, if you were a Chicago police officer and you shot a guy in a line of duty, you got a promotion and a raise, right? So this is if you got sh- if you shot <laughs> right. a guy in the line of duty, you got a promotion yeah. and a raise. There's a line in uh, "Man with the Golden Arm" when Frankie's running up the L stop near the end before he kills himself, where he goes, "He'll give me a warning shot, then he's going to go for the raise." Oh, so, wow. Oh, my gosh. So that's my, right. My dad's only in his 70s. So, like, 25 years later, there's people being trained by guys who were trained by guys who came up in the Capone era. Yeah. Right? So there's, like, what we need for cops is education. Yeah. You got you to, gotta like, fire, Absolutely. Every, fire everybody over the age of 40, start over with people who take civil rights for granted. Absolutely. Rather. But the, yeah. it's like the, the generational echo effect, which we see in a lot of your work, Tony. I think especially maybe Bumtown. Yeah. You know, the past is never past in Chicago. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's one of the reasons why both the father and the son, or me and my father, yeah. encounter so many ghosts. They don't yeah. go away. I mean, yeah. this never... I always think uh, 
it's going to be better with this or it's going to be yeah, better yeah. with that. Or this politician or that politician. Every once in a while, somebody surprises you, but not really very often, mm-hmm. you know? Well, that's because they're bringing the burden of their own past, too. I mean, yeah. Lightfoot was a federal prosecutor. It's not like she isn't a law enforcement person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, um, my, my sister was a Fed, and my sister knew her yeah. when she uh, worked with the Feds. And, um, and you know, Rahm appointed her to the police board twice, right? Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like she came out of nowhere and out of nothing. Yeah. Um, that 14-person uh, primary is why we got her, frankly. Otherwise, yeah. it never would have been her and Preckwinkle as the one, too. Or that was two, yeah. so many people, too many. Too many. Yeah, one more person tell, tells me Jerry Joyce was the spoiler. I'm going to punch him, though, because oh, Joy, exactly. Joyce was like the third or fourth guy in the race. It was Bill Daly who was the spoiler. And yeah. yeah. For yeah. once, the Dailies went down. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and Jerry, the only reason Jerry Joyce ran was to fuck the Daly guy. But the Daly guy know? wasn't in yeah. yet. Yeah. That's my point, is he was there first. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Joyce never campaigned. And, you I know. saw some signs out south. I saw some signs on the south side. There were like some signs, but it's not like he went around the city and gave speeches. I mean, he, yeah. he didn't want this anymore than he wanted a hole in his head. And he didn't know how to sell his own biography. I mean, his, <coughs> his, his wife is Asian, I believe, and his kids mm. are multiracial. So yeah. he yeah. could have showed himself as the future of Chicago. Well, all the union guys love him. You know, yeah. I mean, he's a big union guy. Yeah. Um, but he's also the past now. We can let him go. <laughs> Who's the guy? Willie Wilson. He's the kingmaker in Black Chicago politics. You know, simple as that. He was the guy who was like handing out twenty dollars bills of his own money <laughs> to poor people. Speaking of the past in Chicago, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I thought, I thought to myself, I thought, you know, Jerry uh, must or Willie must not have gotten a memo. You're supposed to fuck people out of their money, not <laughs> not give it out to them. You know. Well, he's retrograde, <clears throat> retrograde in an advanced way. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really see anybody there that I was completely and you enamored know, of. We got a, but I think we got a, well, I think one mistake that is made in Chicago because we're such a political city and everyone is so engaged with the local politics is we expect solutions for problems that are really complicated and intractable. And we, we tend to lay it on individual humans as opposed to the systems mm-hmm. yeah. in which people yeah. want. So like, like for trying to get rid of the. Aldermanic prerogative stuff, that'll eliminate certain kinds of low-level corruption. It'll also transform, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, I want to call about the garbage truck that isn't coming to my house, who do I call? Sort of relationship that the aldermanic prerogative, that's the positive side of it. But, you know, I think whoever comes in after Ed Burke in the 14th Ward isn't going to change the world. <laughs> yeah. Right, you know? Sure, yeah. So the new mayor, let's see what she does. The first year so far, I'd say uh, a D minus. Um, but not, yeah, not, I mean, yeah, not an F, not an F yet. Way more disappointing than uh, than I would have thought. Well, we all got to be optimistic, or we'll give up. Yeah, that's, that's very. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, you know, after Rom, I mean, anybody looks good. And after and Rom looked good after Daly. You know, not to me, man. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't like him from jump. Yeah. You know, uh, I watched this guy push two American presidents toward the middle in a way that is detrimental. Yeah. To, to people of color, working people, and union people. Right. Um, you know, I mean, he he pushed Clinton to the middle, and we right. got NAFTA. We got the three strikes law. Right. And, you know. Well, don't forget welfare reform. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I don't miss Clinton. I don't. Uh, uh, you know, I, I give Obama a break because I had the ACA coverage when I had my heart attack. Yeah. So and, he know, saved my life, so he yeah. gets a little bit of a but, pass, but there's a lot. I had huge problems with his but, presidency. Yeah. So the degree to which 
Well, and but in comparison, I mean, I just don't think there's any point in bothering with critiquing Obama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no the, kidding. But yeah. see, back when Obama was trying to do this stuff, and when Rahm was his chief of staff, we still had blue dog Democrats. Yeah, right. You still had Democrats who were like, "You can't have a public option. You can't do this. You can't do that." And then they made all these concessions to try to do the stupid thing of being bipartisan. Well, in a well you know how Rom wound up being mayor is those yeah, guys yeah. went up the hill and oh, they yeah, said to Obama, "said You never get the ACA unless asshole goes away." And but I'm not even. I'm more interested in the Obama question right now in this conversation. Yeah, just because you know. I never we missed were, an opportunity to stab Ron. Yeah, I know. You know, I, just, just, I just can't. There's only so many pixels in the metaphorical universe, right? right? right. Let someone go. But he, you know, if he if uh, he delivered what he promised, he would have not been able to deliver anything. Like if he'd held hard on the uh, all the public option stuff that he promised, we'd have gotten nothing. Yeah. So you know, politics is the art of compromise. You know, anyone yeah. who didn't vote because it wasn't their preferred candidate gave us Trump. Yeah, you absolutely. know, one hundred fifty thousand people in five states gave us Trump. So I'm, I'm all and, for and women between the age yeah. of thirty five and sixty five. White women between yeah. those yeah. ages. Yeah, that was kind of shocking. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, th- that was to me the the most telling. <laughs> that was the most telling part of it because it's like after how how as a woman do you vote for that guy, especially after that soundbite dropping. Two months prior to that Not election. Not two months, and two weeks. Yeah. Was it two weeks? I, 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 I can't really... I mean, you really... had to work hard to lose it was a blurry, that election, It was a blurry you know? time. It was a blurry but time. We always... We, when we think about identity, it's a mistake to think about any one strand. Everybody yeah. is composed of multiple strands. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I bet when you look at the uh, voting records, when you can add the tabs of education and other things, it was class resentment. Mm-hmm. You know, Hillary Clinton came yeah. from nowhere. Oh, she bet. was working class, Park Ridge... Bill Clinton was a fuck, was fucking trailer trash from Arkansas. Absolutely. So I hate this idea that they're like somehow royalty or something. But if you're a white working class person who resents people from Ivy League schools, that's a, a reason to vote against well, her. Plus, Hillary they, Hillary jealousy. had to work Hillary had to work very hard to lose that election because she didn't go to Wisconsin. She fucked up. She took things for granted. Illinois. Uh, uh, she didn't go to Wisconsin or yeah. Uh, um, she got cocky. I well, think the, or. Yeah. Indiana or Ohio but or the Pennsylvania. Whole, but the whole national conversation took those states for granted as blue states. No one was understanding yeah. what we now know about the interference from the Russians. Mm-hmm. No one really understood how Stein was just a stalking horse. Yeah. And, and the social absolutely. media aspect that came in and just. And every Stein turned out to be a huge Judas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. In, every, in every single state, all the swing states that Trump won, the margin of victory he had was less than the third party votes. So yeah. it's these third and fourth party voters who are, you know, for whatever reason, wasting their vote. They are. It's a two-party system. Suck it up. And the lesser of two evils is less evil, is yeah. my line. Um, look, whoever the Democrat is, I'm going to vote Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? But let's, um, let's quit rehashing the past. What's going on in the future? What's happening right now? Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think for Chicago, I think for both baseball teams, let's we're, get, in for another, we're in for another rebuilding year. <laughs> Well, are the Sox really? I heard we're. I heard ne- this season, this upcoming season, is the season we start to like make an impact and make a noise. As could, soon as they know, get some pitching, it could be your 2015. It could be your 2015. It could be the yeah. That's the, what I'm a, hearing. Have a better yeah. season, but not go all the way. Um, you know, the smart thing to do is send these scouts down to Dominican Republic, Cuba, 
Mexico well, they, and find these 18-year-old kids who have not thrown a half a million yeah. minor league pitches. Right. The problem with that is there's always... Lefties, preferably. Lefties. Thank you. Well, of course, you politically lefty. Reinsdorf has never thrown a, a, a big check either. I mean, we, it'd be not... Uh, I, I mean, don't know he, about that. He cares more about, about baseball than basketball, mind you. But look, I know from experience as a Bulls fan, as a tortured Bulls fan, but That's I mean, right. I've never heard of like, wow, the Sox just gave this guy a, like a, a huge not, contract. Not since like, Albert Bell. No. Yeah. That's, like, yeah no they learned. <laughs> they learned. No, but, but but you got to take that risk sometimes, man. And I'm the free agent, yeah. I'd love I to get a crazy you, but, pitcher but, but, for the Sox. I don't, th- I don't think the Sox have a, a they, immeasurably uh, low payroll by any offered, stretch. No. They're, they're average. They offered Zach. They offered Zach Williams, or I think it's Zach Williams, the guy who just went to Philly, two million dollars more than Philly offered him, and he went to Philly for 118 million instead yeah. of 120 million. That says something about like what the word on the street with agents and players is about the mm-hmm. team or the clubhouse or something. Right. That the guy would take two mil less to go somewhere else. Wow. Yeah, there's yeah. some yeah, there's something about that. Maybe he likes hitting, so he wants to be in the National League. I yeah. don't know. Uh-huh. But the some of the young talent, I mean, I'm I, I'm a Cub fan, but I go to five or six Sox games a year. So let me get my joke in on that. I used <laughs> you, to say, you go when the Cubs are playing. No, 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 no. Right? no I, that's when I don't go. I don't need to get in fisticuffs. Um but I, you know, <laughs> I used to say I go to five Sox games a year, which means I go to five times more than your average Sox fan. But that's not true because five times zero is still zero. I go to five more games than your average Sox fan. I take my classes there because yeah. you, you can get tickets. Yeah, um, but true. you know Tim Anderson yeah. was a great ball player. He's a f- absolute. Before before you guys traded Chris Sale, I would go to any game Chris Sale was. Pitching. Yeah, no, you know, you know what? It was a yeah. loud mouth, and he thought he was coaching the team. Yeah, well, he thought, oh yeah. yeah, no, we're gonna let this guy who's who's dragging up. Yeah. 207 batting average. Bring his 14 year old kid into the locker room every day. That wasn't well, Chris Sale. That was that was someone Oh no, else. no, he stuck up was, for the guy. Uh, Laroche, Laroche. Yeah, Laroche. Laroche. But the guy with the red beard. Chris Hill and, was yeah. the guy who stuck up for him. And then later cut up his uniform when he didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you, Chris Sale, I don't miss him. Yeah. Well, I, I I love Tim Anderson though. I yeah. think he's the Same most exciting here. thing to happen to uh our, our franchise. I love for a Braille. While. I uh, you know, yeah. there's yeah. He's your somewhere solid. in there there's a bones of a good team. Yeah, now you just need the heart and the flesh. Exactly, and, <laughs> you know, and, and I, a bunch of pitching. Yeah. yeah, unlike my dad, I don't hate the Cubs. I actually have a I have a spot in my heart for them. Since I, my I heart grew up surgery, in, I've, I've decided not to hate I, on them. I, well, I grew up in in Lakeview. I grew up three, four blocks away from Wrigley yeah. Field, man. I I grew up loving Sammy Sosa. That was the first baseball player I ever you know got to be a fan of. I, how are the Cubs this year? I, I'm always confused yeah, they're, what, they're what they're as, looking like. They're not as good as they were in 15, 16, or even 17. Oh, no way. They'll be better than they were last year, I think, just because okay. there's going to be a little house cleaning. I don't know who's going to yeah. go. But some clubhouse you, you agree with There's you a lot of Chris Bryant. sending Madden away? You know, I, you know, no, frankly. I think that if you've got a, um, if you look at the teams that win two or three World Series a decade over several decades, yeah, what they have is a Bobby Cox, a Joe Torre, a Tony La Russa, who manage them when they suck and manage them when they're good. And when they're not good, it's because the players. And then yeah. the front office gets them the players that are better, and then they get good again, amazingly enough. So yeah. I dis- I think they should have kept Madden. But I, I agree. Do you, I, do you, I, live in, I like What do you think of them not, not hiring Joe well, Girardi? Well, Girardi, okay, that's what, what I was driving at was we tend to think, you know, as a baseball fan, I wanna, I'm there for the first pitch to the last out. That's the most important thing. Next most important thing is like, your friends before the game and talking and having a hot dog and going out yeah. for a beer after, right? The whole culture. 
But the, the game has shifted now where, think about, I couldn't tell you who the general manager was of the 1969 Cubs when I was yeah. seven years old and right. bonded with Nor I, nor I, just players. <laughs> now, now it's like owners and general managers are uh, celebrities and are the people you talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they signed Epstein with that, that uh, sometimes that great Photoshop cover of him walking on water on Lake Michigan, right? Like, yeah, like, right. So the GM right. is your savior. The owners are your saviors. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the Tribune Company were shitty owners. The Wrigley's were shitty owners. The Ricketts are shitty people. But they spent more <laughs> money on the team than the Tribune or the uh, uh, the, the Wrigley's did. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you win by spending money and by getting lucky with players. But you keep the manager. I mean, I really don't think this was a wise move. And I think... Yeah. They didn't go for Girardi primarily because Girardi has a rep for standing up to GMs and owners and telling them to fuck off. Yeah, and that you cannot say that to to, to Theo or to the Ricketts's. Um, yeah, it will come right back at you. Uh, so, uh, what what do you think? I've been hearing like a lot of trades for Chris Bryant and stuff like that. What do you think of that? Well, you know, if you if you get major league ready pitching, maybe. Okay, but, you know he's, you know, as a, as a ball player, you know. College player of the year, minor league player of the year, rookie of the year, MVP in four years. Yeah. Never been done before. Never even been close. No one's ever had two of those four yeah. in a four-year span before. Mm-hmm. So he is an off-the-charts great ball player. But if you need to replenish your farm system and want to get five, six young arms, you got to give to get. Right. Um, you know, and maybe so you've, you've got guys on the team that can play a decent third base. Are they yeah. going to have MVP offensive numbers like him? Not a chance. Okay. So, if you know, okay. but... If you got a choice between trading Brian or trading Contreras or Baez, I would trade Bryant in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like if there was a gun to their head and it's going to be one of these three guys. Yeah. It's Brian. Okay. Yeah, because Baez and Contreras bring a, a, a passion to that team. Oh, and man. Brian, Baez is, is Brian, fire, yeah. man. And Bryant is still kind of that, you know, Vegas, West Coast, high school idol Feel to him, you yeah, know? yeah. I don't want to yeah. see. Riz, I don't want to see Rizzo go though. No, Rizzo. No. I can't even. Yeah. Rizzo's Rizzo's in there. Rizzo's fine. He, he's. You think? I think they he's won't the, get as much for him anyway. Is he the favorite Cub? I mean, I feel. I feel like. Bias. I feel like everyone. He's, he's, him or Bias? He's, my, he's yeah, my favorite. Yeah, I, I, my favorite Cub is Rizzo. Just because I think so. What he does off the field too just makes him a really good absolutely. guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I like. Bias, I like man. Bias. Cool. You know. Yeah. By, I remember this is my, my story about those guys. He'd me be and, such a great White Sox. Yeah, you know? and of course he would. So would Jorge Salerno. <laughs> me, but me and a couple of my buddies do a minor league road trip every year. And in uh, 14, we went to Omaha. And we saw the Cubs play the Omaha, whatever, they are, Cyclones or some shit. Yeah. And uh, Baez was starting shortstop, <coughs> struck, out, struck out three times. We were like, oh, fuck this guy. Jorge <laughs> Soler comes up to pinch hit in the eighth inning, hits a line drive ball just like two feet foul, that if it was a hit at Wrigley, it would hit the firehouse. Yeah. The crack of the bat, 5,000 people were like, <gasps> and we're driving back from Omaha to Chicago, which is no short drive. Sports radio on. Cubs call up Javi Baez. I'm like, are you kidding me? They called up Baez? What are they thinking? <laughs> Proving it again, what do I know compared to the professionals, uh, right? But, you know, he's an electric, his defense is off the charts. Yeah. Something you might be interested in because of uh, handedness issues. Apparently, he's naturally left handed. Yeah. But for whatever Man. reason, when he started playing ball, he put the glove on his left hand. So, you know, he signs his he, – he's a right-handed batter, right-handed thrower now, signs with – That's, that's with his not left uncommon. Hand. It's right. happened with a few ball players. Yeah. There's a lot of know. basketball players, yeah. too. LeBron yeah. James is left-handed, but he yeah. plays everything with his right. Dominant, and, right? Yeah. But so this – why does he make these tags no one else can make with his glove? That's his dominant hand. Yeah. You know, it's just fascinating to watch. And his, his energy on the base pass, his energy in the field. What, what yeah. would you do with Addison Russell? 
uh, what they did. I would have cut him a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's gone. He's done. Yeah. But he helped us win. You know, he won, literally won us a World Series game with his bat. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, got us where we got to yeah. in, in 15 and 16. Yeah. Jeff, I, Jeff I Sam- hope he's straight. And also that was disappointing, you know. man. Yeah. That was rough. Yeah. We don't have to figure out how to spell Jeff Samarja after they trade him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who misses him? Nobody. Give you me know, something. that guy, he went and stunk up San Francisco later. I mean, Shamarza yeah. was, was never he a played, baseball player. He played for the Sox, player. too, right? And yeah, just, he yeah, stunk he, up he, the Sox yeah. for a while. But we were kind of excited about him, right? Like, when he was coming to the Sox, he just, we were like, oh, we got Samarja. And and no, I was not nothing. excited about him. Oh, well, I, you, I thought I, he sucked in it when he was on the Cubs. I, I recall a couple of my buddies excited for him. I don't. That's just because there's so many Serbians on the South Side. Okay. And okay. so many Notre Dame fans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not one of them. I, no, I no, no, don't like them. Yeah. You know, um, crazy. So, but yeah. So it's going to be. No, it's going to. This is what I'm going. It's going to happen this summer. The weather's going to be nice. There's going to be baseball. Amen. Now the fact that the major league baseball. Amen. Is, That's all I need. That'll yeah. get me to the church. Yeah. The fact that major league baseball is going to fuck minor league baseball one way or the other. We're still figuring out how. That's not next season. It's the season after. So there's time to work against that crazy bullshit. But there's going to be you know the you, crack of the you knew that was going to happen though. No, I'm actually surprised. Yeah. Um, because I, I I go to a lot of minor league games. I follow a lot of minor league yeah. stuff for my you know I teach courses on baseball. I get to write all this shit off you know because it's my, my <laughs> class. you know another thing is minor yeah. league baseball just might start spending money to compete with major leagues. I mean, major league games most families are priced out of the game anymore. Yeah. You know, what's, yeah. Like, what's happening? What's happening? Well, those of you who those of you who have not been informed. Uh, Rob Manfred, who is the devil incarnate and the commissioner of Major League Baseball, yeah. has announced a plan to... I, I didn't think they could get worse than the dipshit from Bud Milwaukee. Selig, yeah. yeah. It's like we've gone from... Nah, don't even want to make political metaphors. Um, <laughs> we, we've never really had a really good commissioner <laughs> of not, baseball. Not uh, uh, since Abe Bart Giamatti. That's what I was about to say. Giamatti, he, well, and he was an English professor, so see, they yeah. should give me the job. Anyway, what they're you doing... You know what? You would be a good candidate I, for that job. I would be the worst candidate ever. I'd be good at the job, but I wouldn't be a good candidate. Yeah. But let me answer the question, though. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? Um, so the minor league, minor league baseball has boomed because of the feedback loop between fictional and real baseball. You know, literally, the movie Bull Durham helped people think, hey, I'll go to see a minor league game. It'll be cool. It'll be fun. And so the minor leagues have expanded, um, both independent leagues that are not affiliated with major league baseball and the, the two or three, depending on how you count it, levels of A-ball... Double A AA and Triple A, where the players are all supplied by major league organizations, but the business management is a local business combine, mm. usually, frankly, with an evil, you know, city subsidized stadium that is a mistake mm-hmm. for the city. Um, but they, you know, they're they're embraced by local towns. They're, the marketing is usually very good. They like get names that are about the the history of the place. But the leagues have expanded to the point now where they're saying, well, look, we got some teams where there's, you know. 1,300 people are showing up on a, you know, on a three-day series on a weekend, and the travel is so distant, we got to cut back. Now, I can see contracting a little and consolidating a little, but they're talking really radical, like eliminating 42 yeah. franchises, including ones that have histories going back to the 19th century. Um, you know, the Chattanooga lookouts have been around longer than the Chicago White Sox. Absolutely. I, every time I go to well, a town that has right. a minor league team, I go to the game. Yeah. yeah. and I, I've seen the Brooklyn Cyclones. I've yeah. seen the... Uh, <laughs> Augusta Green Jackets. I've seen yeah. the, the Durham Bulls. Yep. Um, you can go to five major league teams in Chicago on Metro or minor league teams. Absolutely. Uh, Kane County, the the Flyers. Kane County, uh, Joliet, Schaumburg, Gary. Gary. Gary's uh, got what? The slam, uh, Gary's the Railcats. The Railcats. And Joliet's yeah. the Slammers. 
Yeah. Which I don't like because they make a little joke about the jail and say, famous yeah. people who've been here, Jake and Elwood and Leopold and Loeb. I'm like, no, that's bad. <laughs> that's yeah. a weird comparison. Exactly. Exactly. No, no. One or the other. Yeah. Don't, don't mix you child, don't, don't, yeah. child murderers from the 20s with fictional... White with my childhood stars. heroes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, all, it's always kind of fascinating to me that uh, minor league baseball... Uh, is is also been the the, the proving yeah, ground that, for what the last would you say well, the last seventy five years? Well, the minor league and baseball MLB? minor league baseball goes back as long as major league baseball. I mean, there used to yeah. be before. Okay, cast your mind back before the internet, before television, before radio, before mass media of any kind. Every small town in America had a, a baseball team. Yeah, and any 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 part of the country that had any kind of population centers where people would pay a little bit of money to see a ball game. You had D League, C League, B yeah. League before you even got to the A Leagues, and then and then it all goes you away. Know, with sadly, uh, separate league, the Negro League. Well, the Negro uh, Leagues, uh, where they played at Shoebridge Field, and, uh, and Chicago American Giants. Yeah, and there were a bunch of different Negro Leagues over the you know basically from the 1880s to the 1950s, uh-huh. and they had the AAGPBL, the Women's League, from yeah. f- uh, 43 to 57. So all these things were going on, and then what happened was television and air conditioning, mm-hmm. and I can stay home and watch. Major League Baseball on NBC's Game of the Week on Saturday afternoon instead of going down to the stadium where I got a f- swat flies and the beer is warm, right? And I've got cold beer in my fridge. I got air conditioning. I got a TV. And the minor leagues withered away. And they, mm-hmm. they, they, what maintenance of them there was was from Major League Baseball needing to develop players. I mean, the NFL has <laughs> the NCAA. The NBA has yeah. the NCAA. Hockey has Canada and Europe. Yeah. Right. You don't and, and junior hockey. I mean kids play professional hockey starting at the age of like twelve in Canada for Christ's sake. Absolutely. Baseball is a game that you really have to mature into physically. And so you have to have these minor leagues. And they're talking all kinds of crazy stuff like having a developmental league in the in Arizona that would, you know, four hundred guys would just go there and be divided up into teams and play and not be like even selling tickets. Like, you know, you sell tickets, that's the what people like to do. They want to go to the Absolutely. ball game. Absolutely. Yeah. They want to buy their peanuts and their Cracker Jack, which, by the way, Cracker Jack sucks, but you got to get it at the ballpark because it's in the song. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, five, Just eat the peanuts I, and you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the dust. The you dust know, is good. They should, oh, yeah. they, should, uh, they should replace it with Garrett's. <laughs> well, you know what? They tried it in New York. Yankee Stadium, of course, the Yankees. They try to get rid of, rid of it for, for like the New York equivalent of Garrett's, like some fancy high-end popcorn because they're Yankee Stadium and... The cheapest seat is eighty bucks, and and fans rose up and like there were petition drives and yeah, all kinds of. Yeah. You remember this? Wow! Because there's this feedback loop only in baseball. Is there a feedback loop between the fictional and the real? Yeah. In the rest of the world, it's the other way around. Theoretically, reality yeah, yeah, influences yeah. fiction. Yeah, yeah, I wish actually. Yeah. yeah. But you know, also you go to ball games in Iowa. There are there are minor league teams in Iowa where the bullpen is sponsored by Monsanto, and they grow corn in front of the bullpen. So when the reliever comes in, he walks through the corn. Yeah. In like in Field of Dreams. And your team is gonna go play the Yankees. Okay, prediction. It is going to be a clusterfuck of a nightmare. The road in Dyersville that leads from US twenty to the Field of Dreams. Yeah, I'm not going there. Well no, it's a two lane it's a two lane, one lane each direction, two lane road with four ninety degree turns in it. Yeah. And they're gonna have thirty thousand they'd have to have like a moving sidewalk. That's I mean, I can't imagine how they're gonna get people in there. Um, I was driving back from my brother lives in Iowa after Thanksgiving, and I almost the the weather was shittier. I would have gotten off the road and just driven it. Just your to brother see. lives in Iowa. One of them. I got more than one. Okay, because I know Dan lives in Seattle, right? Seattle and all over the place. He's hard to pin down. 
Yeah, I, I usually I keep up with them watching the appearances on Bill Maher, you know? I'd have to buy TV and get a cable. Well, my, my, you don't have a TV? My introduction to him was uh, a show called I Love the 80s uh, on VH1. Oh, I don't my know, God, I'm yeah, sorry. I don't know if you, were, yeah, I don't know if no. you ever saw that, but he, but he was he was one of the How more entertaining you not guys on the TV for? Uh, 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Well, this was like back in 2003, man. I still remember this. I, I, I realized how much money I was spending on cable. I realized that I could use that time and money for other things. Got rid of it. Yeah. it for you don't miss it at all, do you? If I need to watch a ball game, I'll go to a saloon. Mm-hmm. Or, and if, and I'm, I'm just not a, like, the consumption of narrative via image is not my thing. I'm a word, I'm a paper guy. Mm-hmm. So, there and it's no it. knock. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's a cliche. The English professor doesn't have any TV in his home. He has only books yeah. made of vellum of human flesh. No, but I think you there's know? something. I think there's something to be said for that. I think I think physical thing, like physical copies, like books, or even writing stuff down with yeah. your hand. I think I think that's more of a better way to learn things. And, and, and it's, it's tactile. You, and yeah. You know. You exactly. know what I bought just apropos of nothing is uh, four copies of the uh, collection of the late Jim Harrison's poems. Oh, he's great. Yeah, his last book, yeah. and they're exquisite. Speaking of which, remind me, I brought you a book. Uh, a old buddy of mine from grad school just published a book called Kosher Capones. It's a history of Jewish gangsters in Chicago. Oh, amen, man. There've been a nice. bunch of Joe Kraus. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, I'm about three chapters in. It's outstanding. Me and me and Max are playing uh, some German mob guys who were who were mob adjacent <laughs> well, in the family secrets. I'm thing. I'm more of like a an AJ Soprano kind of type where yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm, Can I get I'm... out of this business? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the one of the things Joe did in early, early in the book, which is genius, and it's like different it's not linear. It's different chapters about different people that sort of weave together. Yeah. He's got this great metaphor that the Italian outfit is like Italian bread. It's a straight line with some knife cuts in it. Yeah. And the Jewish outfit is like challah bread. It's all these things Absolutely. weaving together. Right? Absolutely. But one of the questions that always comes up when I'm teaching. Hey, the architects of Murder Incorporated, man. But wh- why Why did those architects not have any heirs? Because, and this is something Joe brings together, two things that I knew separately that never had I crossed, which is how you know someone's smarter than you are. Um, neighborhood, generational neighborhood connections are where organized crime gets developed yeah and the jewish neighborhood kept moving too fast for the organized crime to maintain the Absolutely. generational connection yeah. they from never Maxwell's, let their kids go into the well, outfit either from maxwell street to lawndale lawndale to rogers park slash skokie there was never this like three or four generational thing where the kids were in it because it was yeah. be, not because the parents would or wouldn't let them mm-hmm. but because it was part of the neighborhood they grew up in absolutely right yeah. these guys yeah. you know, whereas uh, the and the same thing happened with the irish the irish moved neighborhoods and you didn't have that Whereas the Italian neighborhoods tended to be more stable and in place until after World War II. Yeah. When they, then they started moving out to the burbs. Well, and, and, and then in Chicago when they built USC and, the, and a lot of uh, uh, the Little Italy kind of yeah. went away, yeah. you know. Um, but always so there was that Grand Avenue. Right. Uh, they kept going west yeah, on Grand yeah. Avenue. The Poles went out Archer, not Milwaukee. The, exactly. The Italians went yeah. out Grand. Yeah. The Irish just looked around and said, what? Did What's you ever on? read Rich Cohen's book, uh, Tough, Tough Jews? Yeah, yeah, great book. Yeah, great it was book. a wonderful book, yeah, yeah. you know. But uh, we, we just did an uh, indie um Movie, it's a, well, it's television it's, it's, pilot. It's going to be a pilot, Great. but um, I, I think the idea is if it if it somehow doesn't get picked up or something, it's going to be rewritten. Yeah, released the end wise, and, and then yeah, yeah. it could make. But it was written by we're pulling for a pilot, Mario DePaulo, who's okay. who's and, father and his brother Marco DePaulo as yeah. well. Marco they Polo. Own, <laughs> yeah, they own uh, their family owns um, 
Mario's, Mario's Italian, Italian lemonade. Italian ice on yeah. Taylor Street, yeah. you know, so. Italian lemonade. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Don't get it wrong. They're no, very touchy. No, 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 no. I know. <laughs> and I only get the lemon with the peels in it. Don't, I don't get all the other ones. I like the watermelon. It's got chunks watermelon. of watermelon. Really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They also got chunks of lemon peels in them. They just told me. Yeah. You know? Oh, they're fresh, yeah. man. Yeah. They're, there's a reason they've been around. And that's that another long. thing that happens. You get baseball, you got Mario. You get Mario's. Yeah. You got all the hot dog stands that don't have an interior, so you just stand outside and eat like Byron's. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Summer is summer is Chicago's real season. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind. I like the four seasons. I like the change, but I, so, like, yeah, same I here. love I love autumn. I you know I like the winter in a sense that like yeah it sucks, but it makes that summer so much more yeah, worth it. We you got to go through this so hell more. to get yep, to this yep. heaven, and that's only th- three only months like two if days you're lucky. Spring, too, this, you know? I thought this year it was like a month. <laughs> um, we got like a month and a half of summer, weather-wise. I mean, like yeah, it started we late. Really had nothing. It started late in June or a little bit of July. So, Bill, what are you working yeah. on writing-wise? I'm I'm working on a book. I think you're going to dig. Um, because my goal is to uh, knock a Chicago icon off his pedestal and bring him down. Um, so you, you're familiar with Daniel Burnham and the whole concept of the city beautiful. Yeah. Um, my working title is... Make no small plans. They have no fire, blah, blah, blah. Um, my working title is The City Logical, colon, Why Daniel Burnham is Way Fucking Overrated. Now, I know I'll get some pushback on the, under, on the <laughs> Good subtitle. Good man. Get, but basically, I'm writing about something that people from Chicago take totally for granted, which is your address tells you precisely where you are. Like, I yeah, knew amen. coming here which side of the street this house would be on because it's an odd number address. Mm-hmm. I knew how far north it is from Madison. I knew how far west it is from uh, State Street. You know how close you were to North Avenue? Right. Exactly. Not far. And so that's all because of a guy named Edward Brennan, who was a mid-level manager at Lion & Healy Department Store in, like, the bill collecting department. And the city Isn't was- a music store? It, well, they, did, they, yeah. they were most famous for the music department, but it was sort of a general yeah. department store kind of thing, too. And they, you know, in the 1880s and 90s, if you were buying anything from any place in Chicago, it would have to be delivered to your house. Yeah. You know, people didn't have cars. You didn't go to the loading dock and get it. It would come to you. Mm-hmm. And the, the address system and the street systems were a, were a nightmare because the city had grown by expanding and yeah. incorporating other municipalities. So the street numbers might begin at the lake or the river. They might, you know, grow at a, you know, this rate or that rate. There was no relation, no overall relationship between them. And you had multiple streets with the same names. So you have an intersection of North Lincoln Avenue and North Lincoln Street. Wow. Yeah. And if you're writing a, a letter or sending a bill or sending a check to somebody, you better get Avenue or Street exactly right. And it better not be misread. And if you're on what's now Broadway and it's Evanston Avenue, maybe your mail goes to Evanston. I mean, it was just, it was total chaos. And I could go on for this forever, but I'll keep it tight. So I'm writing, uh, the city logical is what he gave us. Yeah. More important than this sort of monumental beauty, which I love, is your ability to navigate the city. But more importantly, the exceptions to the grid, uh, the way the address system works, the way the street naming works, the way the north-south-east-west dominant mapping works, <coughs> tell us the whole history of the city. So, like, you know the parts of Bridgeport between Archer, Halstead, and 31st, where the streets run not north-south-east-west, but sort of southwest-east to northwest? Yeah. That's because it was built before the grid got that far, because that's where the Irish shanty labor who were digging the canal lived absolutely right so this takes us back to the origins of the city um the angle streets some of them are take us back to the prehistory of the city because they were the beaches of uh glacial lakes as the lakes receded Mm -hmm. which later became native american trails um, because they were high sandy and well-drained so the native Mm -hmm. americans were smart and knew not to walk in the swamp Mm -hmm. 
Meanwhile, some other ones were laid out that are totally flat because you make more money if you have a six-corner intersection because you can rent more storefronts. Um, the grid collects you, connects you to the stars. Every Equinox, it's Chicago Henge, right? Because it's wow, that east-west right. streets. So like from the ground beneath your feet to the stars, it's all through the grid. My favorite example, though, is the numbering stuff. So if you go up Clark Street or up LaSalle between uh, roughly nor- a division and North Avenue, it's backwards. You have odd-numbered buildings on the west side of Clark <coughs> and even-numbered buildings on the east side of LaSalle. And like, what the fuck? Well, the, what the fuck is Sandbrook Village? There's a private road down the middle of it, Sandbrook Terrace. And that is the whole story of urban renewal and of ethnic cleansing, getting the Puerto Ricans and the Arties and the blacks out of there. Yeah. And moving in middle-class people to make Michigan Avenue safe for commerce. So any moment in the grid where there's some weird thing, you're like, why is it like that? The odds are it's some really important historical thing about Chicago, including street names. Like, why is Martin Luther King Drive down on the south side? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Or why, you know, what what about... What it used to be? It used to be Crawford Avenue, right? No, no, no. Uh, That's Pulaski. Pulaski. I'll I'll tell the Pulaski stories. There's two Pulaski stories. But yeah, no, it was South Park Boulevard. Uh, Len Dupre wanted to name the Civic Center for King. Think Uh about what that would mean symbolically. Absolutely. King is the center of our city. But I'm glad you brought up Pulaski. So what's... Now Pulaski Road, 4000 West, Mm. was originally Crawford Road. And in 1937, Mayor Ed Kelly, basically in exchange for Polish-American voting power... Yeah. Renamed it for Pulaski. So in my research, which has mostly been centered at the History Museum, they've got Brennan's scrapbooks, which are great. Back when you had clipping services. Yeah, right? yeah. And I'm reading this, I'm like, Pulaski? There are people objecting to the name of Pulaski. What the hell? In 1914 or 13? And I was like, damn, they changed the name of Lincoln Street to Pulaski. And the people in Ravenswood, in the 5500 block of North Lincoln, raised hell and said that they would have to sell their homes at a loss because no, it brings down the value of their house to have the street name for a Polish person because wow. no Polish people wow. live here. And, but they had to do this really weird little dance because Pulaski is a revolutionary war hero. Yeah. So you can't diss Pulaski. You just got to somehow, so they're like, name the park after him. That'd be fine. We'll put his picture in our, in our parlor and tell our children of his exploits, but it hurts the value of my home. We'll sell it at a discount to anyone who wants to buy our house if you're going to name it Pulaski. So they, the city backed down, changed it back to um, Lincoln Street for a while, then it became Walkout. So the corner of Grace, oh. Lincoln, and Walkout by that Trader Joe's, yeah. that used to be the corner of Lincoln, Lincoln, and Grace. Oh, wow. And then wow. the people who lived on Lincoln Street did not take it with much grace when they tried to make it Pulaski. <laughs> I've got the puns. I'm Put ready to go. Boom. I'm ready to go with this book. It's all good. <laughs> He's, he'll be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Try the veal. Yeah, yeah, and uh, tip your servers. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm working on. It's going to be another few years. It's a slow process, but... Um, every every weird quirk in this town that the experienced Chicagoan kind of like says, hmm, that doesn't seem to fit. What's up? Tells a story. Wow. So the history of the city through the street and naming and numbering system. I'm, you know, every time I talk to you, I get an education. <laughs> and I want you to promise me you'll come back right before baseball season. Absolutely. I, yeah. And let's torment you know, each other for an once, hour? <laughs> once, once it's biking weather, dude, I'll just, you can give me half an hour's notice if I'm on the north absolutely. side, I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. This is great. Absolutely. So Bill big, Savage, yeah. thank you so yeah, much thank, for th- being here. Thank you. Thank you, Max, Tony, thank you so much. It's, an, it's a pleasure to just sit around and talk. Oh, we're cool. thrilled to have yeah. you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thrilled right. to have you. Kid, take us out. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot, Bill. <laughs> hey! 
Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning into our 77th episode, sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Drink their beer. It's Big. good beer. It's good beer. Let me <laughs> let me give a completely unpaid, totally like yes, good beer. Thank you, Bill. And I still drink beer, unlike Tony, so I can say <laughs> this. Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Chris Pat. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery in the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. Fucking A right, my show's up. Go. Yep. Both both rooms, both Adventureland and the Dime. And if you want to catch up on old episodes or have any questions to ask me or me. This, this, yeah, yeah. this guy, uh, go to themaxandtonyshow.com and then tune in next time for our 78th episode. Yeah.